Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to our episode this week, I wanted to give you a reminder or perhaps let you know for the first time about the Handlebars Happy Hour right here in Chico. If you don't know, they're a craft beer bar and restaurant right on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street, and they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you get a dollar off every single one of their draft beers. So go check them out. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show where each and every week we tell you what you should and shouldn't be drinking and watching. My name is Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here. Hello. This week on the show, we're giving you our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, directed by James Gunn. It's the third and final film in the Guardians films and the 32nd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, as a whole. But before we get to that, Johnny, tell the fine folks what we're drinking. We are drinking two beers from Humble Forager out of Wisconsin by way of SNS Produce right here in Chico, California. Beer number one is called Forbidden Fortune. It's a double dry hopped oat and cream double IPA that's 8%. Beer number two is called Existential Bliss. It is a big old 12.5% barrel aged stout. Yeah, if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon. On the radio version of our show today, you'll be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which will include spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy, so consider this your first warning if you haven't seen the movie yet. That said, those spoilers won't be until about 4.30. On the other hand, you could go see the movie and just listen to the podcast version of our show, which, in addition to our beer reviews and thoughts on the film, includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment. It's how we end the show each week by catching up with each other, discussing everything from the latest shows we've been streaming to our latest culinary adventures to venting about getting cut off in traffic. It's really anybody's guess. That's right. And to find that slice of fried gold, you're going to go search for Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, that sort of things, all the major platforms. We release new episodes every Friday since, and we've do, been doing that since 2016. And that means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. If you like the show, go take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and definitely let us know you did that. Uh, go ahead and just text in and brag about that or with feedback about the show, text us at 530-433-0839. Again, that number is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on the social media world, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Letterboxd, Untapped, or Facebook, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. To support our show with your hard-earned cash, you can go check us out on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. If somehow you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way to give creative folks like ourselves a little bit of money in exchange for bonus stuff. In our case, those stuffs include uh, bonus episodes like speed round reviews where we review multiple movies at once that haven't quite made it to our full episodes but we still have seen and want to talk about. Invites to exclusive events like our bar hang coming up here in May on the 25th. If you're in Patreon, you know all the details. If you're not, I'm not going to tell you those details here because they are locked behind a paywall. Additionally, in uh, in addition, additionally in addition to all of our fun bonus stuff, you also get shout outs if it's your birthday. So, Lori. Friday, May 12th. That's a couple days after our recording here. Happy freaking birthday from us to you. Uh, you're a hoot. We love having you on Patreon. 
So shout out to you and happy birthday. You're the best. One more shout out in order. Another patron here, Brittany, graduating this year uh, on May 18th. It's a Thursday. High um, school? Out, nope. Fair enough. For I, I think, and I, I'm almost upset you put me on the spot, but I think it's her master's degree. Okay. I could be wrong. And if now it's that not, you it, have to get it now. Sure, no pressure. Right. Let's say it's her master. We're going to say it's her PhD. Um, no, Brittany, it's been a lot of hard work. We appreciate your support on the podcast and congratulations. That's a huge, huge milestone in your life. So good work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, that's a good point, Johnny. We do, we do technically kind of have a new patron shout out. You want to, I think this is nice to highlight. You Somebody's boop <laughs> leveled up. That's a good, yeah, this is all, this is a great thing. Cause people stay on Patreon forever. You don't ever have to increase your pledge, but you can, and it they, does happen they sometimes. They do stay on forever. Yeah. You, you, you can't leave. <laughs> Killed is the way out. But no, who, who increased Oof. their pledge? What's that? Sorry. Who increased their pledge? <laughs> Shout out to Ken who upped and went up to the uh, the five dollar tier. Yeah, that's our um, that's our. Uh, oh boy, I know what it's called. I should know the names of the tiers. It does. It, yeah, I don't either. That's why I said five dollar tier to make yeah. us not look bad because we don't know our own tiers. And it now you're putting us on the spot. Cool names you're making us look bad. I'll think. Oh, it's the Fresh Hop and Chill. That's what it is. That's right. That's a sweet tier to be at. By it the way, it is. That means you get free beer. Yeah, at every hang bar out. hang. Yep. You, we buy you a beer as long as you support. You know, four episodes a month. Yep. Uh, no cheat in the system here, but you're essentially buying yourself a beer, which is something you'd probably do anyways if you listen to this show. So a real good investment. But there's also a five dollars isn't your thing. You can do three dollars or one dollar per episode, whatever fits your budget, fits mm-hmm. uh, fits our desires as well. But yeah, shout out to Ken. Thanks for increasing and and hitting that next level, man. We appreciate you. All right, that is housekeeping out of the way. Johnny Summers, let's talk about Humble Forager. Before we get into what they have to say about themselves, I'd like to say that we've done them once on the show before, all the way back on episode 205, so almost, if not exactly, uh, 100 episodes ago, which is uh, pretty wild. Uh, we both really liked their stuff. We The two beers we had were called Coastal Sunset. That was version one. It was a sour ale. I gave it a 10 out of 10. You gave it a 9.3. And the second beer was called Sugar Shack Diaries. It was a dessert stout, 12%. I gave it a 9. You gave it a 7.9. Not as glowing, but still a pretty great set of numbers for those two beers. I'm really excited to get back into Humble Forager today. So please, sir, would you read me what they have? 10 and a 9 from you. Those are, I lo- I'm those so are, stoked for today. Those are bangers. Yeah. Scores right there. So yeah. Uh, today's first beer is Forbidden Fortune Double Dry Hopped Oat and Cream Double IPA. Uh, it is a, you guessed it. Double dry hopped oat and cream double IPA. It's eight percent. Comes from the homies over at SNS Produce. Mm-hmm. That's where we we purchased our beer for the show this week. Uh, what they said online, I will now read. We made this creamy and juicy double dry hopped gentle giant by layering barley, soft white wheat and oats with a subtle dash of lactose sugar. We then added hops to the mash, the boil, the whirlpool, the hop rack fermentation, and conditioning phase for crazy hop saturation. Fermented with a special yeast, which accentuates the thiols in the hops. What's a thiol? A thiol. Glad you asked. I don't know. It's a a highly aroma-active compound. Uh, It's actually derived from hops that can give very intense, like, fruity flavor uh, to predominantly dry hop beers. It's a chemical byproduct, essentially. Yes. That that is is good for for hoppy beers, Mm -hmm. going for sweeter notes. Is what I'm hearing. And I've tasted the beer, and I think that is correct. All right. Um, are you, sir, going to be tasting this beer with lactose today? I am definitely not. This is what happens when young Maxwell gets put in charge of selecting Now, beers. hang on a minute, because we do have a contingency when this happens. We do, but I don't have any pills with me today. Sure. So that's we have come to the conclusion that okay. we need emergency studio lactose pills yes. for when we get attacked by pizza 
or milk stouts. Yeah, I do want to clarify too, because we're going to talk about the can design here. It's it's undeniably a humble forager beer. Did you, I mean, even from, you know, two years ago, do you recognize this can design? Yeah, 100%. It, it's so memorable to me. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, well, it's probably because it says humble forager a bunch on the top. That'll do it, yeah. won't it? I guess, um, I mean, even besides also that. Also, just their, their layout, it's ve- the same... Uh, not calligraphy, cursive. Sure, the same t- typeface. People know as much calligraphy as cursive anymore. Sure. What's the difference? Right. Uh, cursive on top of that bold text. It's very trademark. All yeah. their beers kind of have that. Uh, and also I've had a few personally since mm-hmm. then, and I see them quite a bit out yeah. in the field. So yeah, super identifiable. I like the kind of desert scape with the uh, almost Aztec. Yeah, oh, that is what's going on. Yeah, it's this beautiful sunset color palette with like these sort of deep, rusty blood reds fading into kind of a an off yellow lemon to to emulate the sun yeah. also about the text it is essentially a mirror image of their actual logo which i'll turn to you here is uh, a you know just a, a pen outline of, of a man walking with a big backpack and then it says humble in that same cursive and then forager and more of a block print below mm-hmm. so i think they do a really good job branding themselves the can reminds me of kind of especially with the name of the beer forbidden fortune yeah reminds me of uh, el dorado yeah i was like gonna the movie, say yeah like, el dorado mm-hmm. like forbidden treasure totally forbidden fortune locked in a, a mayan pyramid that's cursed yep it gives a lot of like uncharted vibes mm-hmm. um national treasure vibes um this is what I think of with not this can necessarily, but like that mysterious hidden gold, oh, yeah. Indiana Jones kind of yeah. stuff. Okay. Well, the most interesting thing about this beer to me, um, just on the description is the oat cream. And I'm, we were talking about this before we started and I think I deserve points here because nowhere on the actual can does it say has lactose. Mm-hmm. I like to think I would have noticed that because I care about you, but it was right in there in the description when we were putting our notes together today. So I'm trying to determine what grammar is missing on the front of the can? Because it says, sure enough, forbidden fortune. Then on the next line, DDH, double dry hopped, oat, cream. Then on the next line, double IPA. What we have here is a very serious lack of punctuation. So are there supposed to be commas? Because if there are supposed to be commas, then it would be double dry hopped, comma, oat, comma, cream. Clearly saying cream. But I thought it said double dry hopped, oat, cream. We live in Clearly a very... without lactose. Yeah. When we live in a world where oat milk exists and oat cream exists. Yeah. Well, can you imagine for somebody like yourself, you get a beer that would benefit from all of the things adding lactose sugar would, all the creaminess, all the sweetness, all the body, but you don't have to take those gosh darn pills. Yeah. This that, would be, this be would great. be like a cure for um, wellness. Disease. Sure. Um, but alas, we don't live in that world. So for whatever reason- they have added lactose also. So I'm going to guess that this is oats and cream as separate entities. So all the thickening agents. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting for you to be experiencing a very thick, creamy IPA. Well, let me show you just what's in my glass, my guy. Um, and you can, you can just, I'm going to give it a little swirly. Yeah, you can take it if you want. Um, but just looking at sort of the body, the lacing, the legs, it's not a very viscous beer, which really surprises me. It doesn't look that viscous no, at all. No, it, it's almost, you know, it looks like a hazy pale ale or, or like an unfiltered wheat even. Yeah. Like it's a fairly light looking beer. It, there's nothing going on in the glass that would make you think it's anywhere near syrupy. Also anywhere near 8%. But getting into the drinking experience, I will say there's also not a lot there to make you think that it's an 8% beer with a big body. It's a really thin beer. I don't understand where this, um, where, where they're choosing to, maybe it's not for body. Maybe they're not doing the oat or the cream for like a thickened body. I don't know. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Unless it, like if you have to put so much in, it tastes like oatmeal. 
Does it taste like oats? Right. No. no. It doesn't taste no. like oats. I can tell you already. The only reason to put lactose in and to put oats in a beer are mm. to thicken it up. And Well, the lactose and to sweeten it. You got, you yeah. got sweetening, thickening, yeah. both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, also, all that aside, it's okay flavor-wise. Yeah. It's not amazing. I'm um, I'm a little bit underwhelmed. That's a lie. I'm pretty – I'm very underwhelmed. It's not bad. I just had really high expectations. Kind of sad I can't drink it because I, I would like to experience that because so many times people put lactose in beers and it really benefits the beer nothing. Yes. You know, there's other ways to get sweetness and if you're trying to thicken it, it doesn't end up being as thick as desired. So you find a lot of times it, it just – you ask, I find myself asking, what was the point? 100%. Especially if you're alienating some potential drinkers by adding this ingredient. Yeah. Does it really improve it that much? I, I'm going to say in this case, absolutely not. I'm going to pass this over to you. At least smell that. Tell me what you're getting. Because for me, it's a lot of tropical stuff. You got a lot of like papaya, mango, certainly like a musty mango, not the most vibrant, but there's uh, there's there's something there that you know is reminiscent of a traditional sweeter double IPA. I will give it that. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's a very straightforward beer. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to just now kind of take another sip and evaluate whether or not I even enjoy it and, and take away some of the shimmery mystery that I had before. Okay, sip that. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Dry hopped, okay? You're expecting a little bit more punch, a little more hoppiness, a little bit more sweetness. Uh, oat, you expect some thickness. So sweetness level, how does this rank on the scale of super sweet to not sweet to super bitter? If we're factoring in that it's an IPA and it's not going to land on a sweetness scale like a dessert stout, it's still – it's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm weighing it against like, you know, some of the New England IPAs, the hazy stuff that dude, gets sickly sweet. It's up there. I mean yeah. if, if something like – well, actually, you like a Julius, don't you, from Treehouse? Mm-hmm. Still a pretty sweet beer but not cloying. Like, oh, we did one a couple years ago and I don't know why this sticks in my brain but it was called um, Audible Hues can't think of the brewery off the top of my head, but that was, I think, like an 8.2, 8.3% double IPA, almost unbearably sweet. If that's like the far end of the spectrum, at a 10, like this is, you know, like it's like a seven or eight. That's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Okay. Um, and then the yeah. next question is thickness. No. They put a lot of stuff in here for Mm-mm. body. I also wonder if um, oats, the addition of oat, uh, introduces something that is additionally fermentable because- Milk sugar is very popular because mm-hmm. it is a non-fermentable sugar. I wonder if the oats, as a late addition, mm. possibly yeah. add more for the yeast to eat to create more alcohol. I mean, I wonder at what stage the oats are added because if they are, in theory, given enough time to break down, I really hope someone calls us out on this because I'm just completely speculating. But like maybe that gives it a chance to to create some more perceived sweetness in the drinking experience, but it I don't know. It just depends on the stage because there's a certain point. I believe they pitch things into the mash to stop the yeast mm-hmm. or else you would just have like uncontrolled fermentation. Right. Like I'm pretty sure there's ways that they can stop fermentation. Sure. That's yeah. something we should know. That is something we should I'm know. I'm going to ask a brewer buddy. This would be a pretty fun beer to have an interview with the brewer about because there seem to be so many moving parts to this. And I'd really be interested to know what – causes what in the result like what what are the flavor that i'm getting is from the double dry hopping what's from the oat what's from the cream mm-hmm. um It'd be really fun to also try this beer before they double dry hop it to see exactly what impact that has i wonder if they've done i mean because because as i mentioned earlier humble forger did the first beer we drank was quote unquote a version one of that beer so they do multiple versions of their beers at least in one instance and i think i've seen others where they have seen like version four of something 
So I don't think it's the craziest idea that they might have done various iterations of this beer, including maybe one that wasn't double dry hopped. It'd be really fun if somewhere locally that we could get our hands like like a slice comes to mind. Oh, you know, like a do, local brewery that we could – Yeah, yes. that would do like a beer with a dry hopped and non-dry hopped version. Absolutely. I just want that for science. I'm. Do you think on a larger scale like Sierra Nevada has done stuff like that in the past? Like I know they've done variations of their beers, but they've fully rebranded them. So they're not like one-to-one comparisons in that yeah. way. I know breweries have done it, yeah. but I don't think Sierra has. Okay. It's been done. Didn't one of their beers – didn't um, Otrave's there that um, kind of goza whatever that was turn into something else? Like I thought they maybe did variations on that with different fruits or something. But um, I could be thinking of something I else. I think they did a couple different versions of that before they scrapped it entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're doing uh, like a, like a seltzer. I want to say oh, it's, yeah. it's like Otra yeah. water or something. It's or how, how new is this? Within the last year. Yeah, I've, we've had it, right? I've, yeah. I've had it. I enjoy it. It's fine. Yeah. To me. It's really good with some syrups in it. <laughs> yeah. That was, it was like not, yeah, it wasn't sweet enough. For yeah. Me. It was like very like. Got to church it up a little bit. Yeah. It almost felt like an older brewery's response to like younger breweries making, that was a fun sound that my mouth made. Mm-hmm. Um, like all these kids are making all these sweet drinks and we're going to do, we're going to put just a cactus in there and call that flavor. Make a cactus tea and carbonate it. This is the last tangent I want to take, but did, you have, you've had like the ranch water. Yeah. It's like a spice or not spicy always, but there's like a seltzer mm-hmm. that really does feel like a response, an angry response to something like a White Claw. Where the flavors are like jalapeno or spicy or lime, but even the lime feels like gross, I guess, is what I feel about it. See, I enjoy the ranch water cocktail, and so I enjoy okay. those seltzers because it is emulating the flavor of that cocktail. You're saying something separate from the seltzers? Yeah. They make separate cocktails? Well, ranch water is a cocktail that exists in oh. the world that oh, okay. they based those seltzers on. So ranch mm. water is uh, – traditionally, it's a Topo Chico where you drink about – three ounces out just like a sparkling water yeah the topo chico sparkling water drink it a little bit and then pour in a shot of tequila and lime juice and a pinch of salt oh i bet you that trend goes even farther back to just like maybe not topo chico specifically but like a sparkling water with a shot of tequila yeah sounds very like arizona hard day's work on the cattle farm kind of drink they're really good sounds amazing they're really good to the point that i don't know that you need to can a variant of that right have you had the spicy ones yeah, I hate them. They're terrible. I hate them. They're like, like uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody listening has had the spicy ranch water. If so, get in touch. But I think they're abhorrent. We had it at Seltzer Gasm. I'm sure we did. We had everything there. Mm-hmm. What a great sparkle gasm, by the way. Uh, yeah. Great. Very great time. Okay. Um, do you have any other things you want to know about this beer that I can help you out with? Not really. Uh, I want to know why they felt like they needed to put in lactose and it didn't really do much except made it too sweet lame yeah one thing i do want to shout out for this beer that we're not mentioning today because it doesn't really apply unless you're holding this beer in your hand in in which case if you are on the left side of the can there is a qr code that you can go to learn more about this but we wanted to approach it as just two people that picked it up off the shelf so i'm going to do some more research you can do it i also might reach out to the brewery but in the meantime i'm gonna give you some ratings here they are it's fine it's a good beer it's not amazing it's um just above average it's a six for me I think it's like super – did you preemptively put that six? Mm-hmm. Nice job. Uh, it's super good. Let's talk vibe. That's my score, by the way. I'm going to clarify this. That is the end of my score. I now want to take two little tiny scores to the rest of this, <laughs> which right. are like – I want to talk vibes. Look at this vibe, dude. Look at that sunset. It's a good vibe. It's a good vibe of a can. Like It makes me feel like I'm kicking back and going on a little adventure. Yeah, but you don't have to taste the can. No, it has nothing to do with the taste now. We're yeah. just talking vibes of this can and kind of how the beer looks. It did look disappointing in the glass. I was expecting – it to literally glow. And by literally, I mean metaphorically. 
glow as I poured it. <laughs> it did not. It was fine. Vibes are like a four out of five. It's pretty cool. Whatever. Um, and it was relatively affordable. So we're moving into the redrinkability category. It's readily available in Chico. It's easy to get. If you want to get it again, like me, I might. Probably won't. But if I wanted to, I could. It's a good value for a 16-ounce pint can. So like four out of five on redrinkability. Easy enough. Bro, we don't rebuy sixes at this podcast. I know, which is why I'm not going to. Yeah. But in theory, like you could try this beer and you might love it. It might be just unoffensive enough to be like, I could have this again. We're not talking theoretical. We're talking Max Minardi. That's and a good he, point. And he you ain't know, buying this beer again. New information. I'm changing my score. You're right. I, I give it's a three for yeah. redrinkability. What are you talking about? You're right. Come on. Yeah. Um, and those to, are those are my my vibe and politicians sell people into buying this beer that you didn't think was good. Yeah. All right. Listen. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you have tried Forbidden Fortune and think I got it wrong, or you know that obviously I got it right, get in touch. Let me know. You can leave us a voicemail or send a text to five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. We really do love feedback. Again, that number is five three zero four three three zero eight three nine. Hey, if you like the show, help us out and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, please. Yes, please do. It only takes a moment, and it is the most effective way to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners. Up next is a trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, Episode 3, Return of the <laughs> Raccoons. <laughs> of the Pratt. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, fear not. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so don't go anywhere. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians, met a girl, fell in love, that girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. I want you all to know that I am grateful to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. <laughs> we were always searching for a family until we found each other. Are you ready for one last ride? fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky. Whoever it was that you were in love with, it sounds more like her. Her? That's Do ridiculous. not bring me into this. <laughs> Knock it off! What? I never noticed how black your eyes were. They were replaced by my father as a method of torture. He, he picked a pretty set. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. 
if you are listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM. Happy Saturday. You are sadly going to be missing out on some solid gold that's available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you'd like to hear the rest of the whole episode, you can go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you download podcasts from. It is currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, please go listen. All right. Again, that was a trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 of which of whose of whom's Internet synopsis goes as follows. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, must rally his team to defend the universe and protect one of their own. If the mission is not completely successful, it could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. Uh, Blanket spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 going forward. Just FYI. It's been six years, if I'm not mistaken, since Volume 2, which I... I'm going to make the case is too long to justify a reboot for this. Not a reboot, but a continuation. Um, but yeah, it's fair to assume. Well, what they were in like six other movies as Guardians of the Galaxy. You're right. Yeah. So, so was it really a break? So truthfully then, if it matters to anybody, spoilers for basically as their the entire involvement through Marvel Endgame. Cinematic yeah, Universe. Like the past few films have come out don't really matter. Like, like Wakanda Forever does not apply to this. But like through Endgame, yeah. you are warned. Yep. And if you care, you probably already know. Yeah. Okay. So this was written and directed by James Gunn. It stars the usual suspects here. Chris Pratt, of course, as Star-Lord. Karen Gillan as Nebula. Um, Dave Bautista is back as Drax the Destroyer. You got Bradley Cooper voicing the character that the movie is essentially based around, which is Rocket Raccoon. Um, of course, you have Zoe Saldana as Gamora, who is back from the chasm from whence she fell slash was thrown. Um to Magic Mountain. We're going to talk about that, too. But the film came to wide release on May 5th. It runs uh, just about two and a half hours long, um, which is kind of what you expect at this point from movies like this. Johnny, we had talked about doing two movies this week. We were only doing this one. Were you jazzed about Guardians 3? No. Okay. What is your relationship to the first two? I liked them. A lot? If you had to like rank rank, rank the first two. It was the worst ranking list ever. Which do one you... do you like more? Oh, <laughs> I don't really remember. This is the problem with the six-year gap. Well, no, I mean, like, I remember the first one vividly. I remember Kurt Russell was in the second one. Yes. I remember a little bit. That's, it's, that's, that's like, about whole, it. Like, yeah. I think it might have just not been a very memorable movie. We do meet one other character in that movie that matters who I didn't mention, which is Mantis. Um, and we'll look oh, yeah, at the actress's cool. name here in a second because I didn't write it down here. Yeah, if there were more hours in the day, I was going to go back and watch I one and two. I was too. Um, but then I also remembered I didn't love two. I think Kurt Russell's fun. He's fun to have on screen. Um, but basically the, the whole plot of two was was Peter Quill discovering like he's descended from a god who turns out to be a bit of a jerk. And then they have to defeat him. It wasn't Kevin Bacon in the second one. I don't remember if he was. I think he was. Um, okay, so so you you love him, not or you like him, don't love him. Yeah, yeah. I okay. I would say I really like the first one. I remember Guardians one yeah, okay. being like, this is pretty cool. Okay, well, what did you think of Guardians Volume Three? Guardians Three, man, it was so hard to get hyped for this because. I think Marvel fatigue is super real. Yes. I think there's a lack of me being able to invest emotionally. It's the 32nd movie in this franchise, dude. It's like the, it's by far the longest running, uh, yeah, up there with like Godzilla or something. Yeah, it's a lot. And just going into this movie, I realized within the first five minutes, I had no idea what happened in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. And I was like, huh. I sure hope nothing important like carries over. <laughs> hope I'm right, not going to sure. have any gaps that I'm missing. 
Okay, so I was not super hyped. Very low expectations. Uh, I was very entertained by this movie. Okay. It was, it felt like an early Marvel movie. Yeah, sure. Honestly, it had like a little bit of that magic back. I think it didn't feel overly stuffed with plot up until the end. The end got clunky. Okay. But I liked the fact that there was an almost rudimentary plot. It was very simple. Mm -hmm. Our friend is sick. We have to get him better. Let's go figure out how to do that. And yeah, it takes you on some misadventures, but there wasn't a ton of plot to have to follow and figure out. It was kind of handholdy or like almost in a hallway. Like it was just leading you along, but, but in a good way. Yeah. I don't think that it was, you know, it was kind of refreshing to watch a movie that I didn't have to figure out. It was just kind of there. I believe the terminology you used when we discussed this movie in the past was, it's just going to happen to you. Yes. Like, you just let it happen just to you. Just go watch a movie. And you have some fun. Um, there is a very specific brand of humor that James Gunn brings to the table that is employed and dispensed in all three of these movies. Dispersed, maybe. Dispersed, dispensed, yeah. whatever. You get a healthy dose of it uh, in all three. And you have to be on board and I would almost say even in the mood that day because okay, sure. uh, for that brand of humor. And, you know, it just landed for me. It, I really – I laughed out loud quite a few times mm. in this movie. Uh, it elicited quite a bit of empathy. I love Rocket Raccoon so much. Oh, then this is it for you. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah. I was like, this is like a Rocket Raccoon origin story. I am, I'm about this. Let's go. And okay. that's not too spoilery. No, I think that's okay. So overall, I liked it. Way more than I thought I would. It is probably top top ten easy Marvel movies. Okay, for me. and and definitely the top of the three. Or, See, or is, does one the, still win? I'd have to rewatch the first one. Yeah, okay. Um, but I know that this movie recaptured some of that magic. Mm-hmm. Like it had that zing, that excitement. It felt fresh. It didn't felt so done. Um, this movie felt like it had. At least some original characters and some original misadventures. It kind of got back to almost a Scooby Doo like gang of I get you of jolly do gooders, you know, just going out for some misadventures to get into yeah. some trouble. Yeah. It had a, a lighthearted joy about it. And I think Marvel mm-hmm. got diluted and it just got so serious and they'd raised well, the stakes yeah, so yeah. high. And there was stakes in this, but they weren't galaxy ending. They were life altering for the characters in this film. Sure. But I mean, and to a degree they were because there was a villain. No, I get get it. Yeah, that's true. You know, there was. There was a big bad that was doing terrible things. But, you know, it felt like it kind of turned the stakes on its head and it didn't take itself so seriously. It let itself be funny and it let itself be fun. And I think I loved it. Out of 10. I'm going to give it a 8.9. Good, good, great score. Yep. 8.9. Okay. So for for me, I'm with you on everything you said about the first two movies. I think one is very good. It was a brand new original take that that felt like a breath of fresh air in the MCU. Two, I think, lost a lot of that razzle-dazzle. For context, I've got Guardians Volume 2, seven from the bottom on my Marvel list. Um, Guardians 1 is, uh, you know, like just under, like kind of right above the midway point. I don't think it's amazing. I think it's pretty good. Um, I was pretty apprehensive about this. The trailer sells it as a very quippy, one-liney, kind of goofy adventure, which 
for better or for worse, I think it is a little bit. There's also a lot of darkness in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it, not in, not as the PG-13 ratings in general go, there's much more intense PG-13 movies, but as PG-13 Marvel movies go, which is most of them, if not all, this is one of the darker, it has one of the darker plot lines. Yeah, it it's really It's also does. one of the cheapest and easiest ways to get audience empathy, I think. Mm-hmm. If you're a sucker for critters with big eyes, you're gonna fall for it. I was sitting next to a gal in the theater who was, so it was me here. Uh, this girl was on my left, presumably her boyfriend or a stranger she was very comfortable with was on her left. Okay. And about 45 minutes in, her shoes are off at the beginning, by the way, um, to set the vibe of this person. That's what we're dealing she's with. She's like 25, maybe. She's kicked, she's she's pivoted 45 degrees to her left. Can I interject? Fine. Do you yes. know how I've, I've come up with a foolproof way to prevent that? You don't even know what she's about to do. No, with the shoes off in oh, public. Oh, how's that? You look them directly eye and say, thank you, that's my fetish. You you know I'll never do that. <laughs> but I'm sure that would work. Very effective. Yeah. Like on an airplane? Oh, I bet. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. I I think the other thing is you can do, this is to prevent people sitting next to you, is as they're, and this doesn't work with theaters these days because they're reserved, but like on a bus, someone walks by and they're looking at the seat, you just kind of tap it. You look up and smile at them like, you rub the seat a little bit. <laughs> yes. No one's sitting there. Exactly. So she's pivoting 45 degrees. I see it happening. And she's kicking her legs up. And she puts her legs on her boyfriend's lap. Okay. And is now sort of leaning towards me. Okay. Which And she, I found out, was uh, an empathizer of cute creatures. Because anytime a little furry creature came on, she'd go, ah. But it was like, ah. It was like right in my ear. So were they in the seat? Was there a buffer seat? No buffer seat. Oh, my God. It's my... It's my Armrest, she's awing on. And it was fine. She was pretty annoying. On the other side of things, it was a packed theater, by the way, which I think is okay for this movie. I think like you get the energy in Marvel movies. You want the crowd. Four seats down from them, there was this really cute duo. It was this kid. Um, we were talking to him before the movie. He was um like borderline not super high functioning autistic. And he was there with his aunt. And they seemed kind of like like they're not doing great in life like she you know looked kind of rough and rough and tumbly like was missing a few teeth but they were just jazzed to see guardians of the galaxy volume three so i'm like the whole time like battling myself I'm like this person next to me is so annoying but that person's having so much fun like he's throwing his arms in the air and like cheering into himself he wasn't super loud or anything so i'm like having this battle where i'm just trying to watch the movie and i'm like this isn't i shouldn't even worry about her but it does feel like she's invading my space the point is it wasn't like an ideal viewing situation and i was already not stoked about the movie that's it. I think it's pretty good. It's fun enough. It's not an amazing movie. It's totally a movie that you can just go sit and watch. I had popcorn, had a white claw during it, had a cocktail beforehand. Like it's fine. I think I think the Peter I think Peter Quill, Chris Pratt specifically as Peter Quill is one of the weakest parts of the movie. I think this movie gives Drax and Mantis some time to shine. I think the action's pretty fun. It's a colorful, loud movie. I didn't, like, I'm not going to hold it to the craziest high cinematic standards. It was fun enough. I think the bad guy had a lot of issues. The more the movie goes on, I think he's a less and less compelling villain. Yeah. That's why it got clunky at the end. Yeah, which is what often makes or breaks these movies by the end. But I think it was okay. I think it was okay because he wasn't meant to be the centerpiece. You know, he was a yes. he was a plot device. He wasn't the yeah. end all be all. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and I, you know, for me, it's like, 
I'm always torn with stuff like this because I am sort of thinking about it in the larger scheme of the franchise, but then I want to take even one more step back and think about it as a movie as a whole. So yeah, it's like a six for me out of 10. Like it's, it's good. I'd watch it again. It seems fun. I wouldn't probably put it on, but if it was on, I'd watch it. Those ratings are so reflective of our personalities. They super are. They, I mean, that is the most like, <laughs> yep, that's a max rating. Yep, yeah. That's a Johnny rating. That makes sense. So since we're, we're doing sort of long format for our radio listeners today, we got a whole hour of the show. Do you want to keep discussing this without spoilers? Would you like to jump into spoilers? The 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 argument being we could give a little bit more content to people that haven't seen it that are worried about it. What do you think? I know that actually, I know I have one thing I want to talk about before spoilers, but if, if you have anything. You answered like your own question then. You got nothing in particular? Not specifically. Well, then let's talk about what you were saying about the plot mm-hmm. kind of being, I don't know if you said linear, but you might have said straightforward. Like mm-hmm. we have a thing that we have to save. In this case, it's Rocket Raccoon. Mm-hmm. And sure, there's tangents, but for the most part, that's the through line. It's we gotta save him from the bad guys because he's our friend, and that's what we care about. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was as refreshing and enjoyable as it was because of the Marvel fatigue you spoke about, particularly like the end game multiverse kind of you know post the snap sort of anything goes kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a return to simple comic book movie structure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, think about like the early Marvel movies. Think about Iron Man, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 sucks, but Iron uh, but, Man you know, 1. Pfft. You know what I'm saying? Iron Man 1, it had yeah. a goal that it was working towards. You know, mm-hmm. they were very self-contained. I think when we got into the all the sequels and all the huge plots and the, the, the movies merging and yes. all these super team-ups. Yeah. When you got like filler movies and movies that like whole movies that were just to progress a plot. Yeah. Like, dude, I want 150 minutes of self-contained fun. Yeah, this has that. With 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 one exception, which is the Gamora problem. Yeah. It Gamora was in this is my understanding. I think it's correct. Gamora is sacrificed by Thanos Mm -hmm. in um Infinity War. Sure. I think. Sure. People sometimes come back. Like we snap, the, the Avengers bring everybody back, except for like um you know, Black Widow, Gamora, I thought, and like a couple other people like died, you know, in like the, not because of the snap, but people that died in like the battle. Those people don't come back. Mm-hmm. And Gamora is back, but she's like Gamora that doesn't remember. Is she Gamora from like the the other timeline with Thanos when he was, you know what I'm talking about? Where like they have to re-defeat Thanos in Endgame. Like he comes back and they've gathered the stones. Uh, like is yeah. that that Gamora? And that's why she doesn't remember? Or I is the so. first Gamora that died? And if so, why is she still here? I don't understand the logistics, and they kind of deal with that in the movie by by Star Lord being like, "I thought you know some Infinity Stone magic, which is a way to deal with it." I'm not an Infinity Stone scientist, but it's also a cop out, and I didn't like that for a franchise that is so, for the most part, pretty good about abiding by its own rules. A cinematic universe. Excuse let's me. Say. Yes. Did the Gamora thing bother you? Slash, did the relationship dynamics created between Star Lord and Gamora? Uh, did you find that funny or nice or endearing or, or annoying? I was wondering if they explained it more in any of the other movies because it felt like we had seen this version that didn't remember him before. It, we'd have, yeah. Um, yes. And so I felt like maybe it got dealt with in that movie and I wasn't just taking that information and applying it to this movie. Yeah. Like I think – I took it as I forgot. Like, okay. Because they usually flesh things out in this universe. So yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's what I did with that information. I was like either – uh, a, I forgot, or B, I'm suspending some disbelief because sure, sure, yeah, yeah, why not? 
you know? Side note, what would probably crush is like if before one of these movies came out, they did a feature, not a featurette, but essentially like a, like a 20 minute short film where it was just like previously in the MCU. Right. And like caught everybody up and it was like this big promo event. That'd I think people cool. would go to that. And I would probably go to that because I would like to be re-caught re up on this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the only thing I had that uh, we need to talk about that isn't spoilery. Are you you good at this? Yeah, I think I am. Okay, then once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have thoughts on anything we've discussed on the show today so far, get in touch. You can text or call us at 530-433-0839 or send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider this your second to last warning. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, radio listeners and everybody else. This is your last warning that we will be spoiling Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. It's in theaters now. Go see it if you'd like. Let's talk brass tacks, Johnny Summers. Um, let's talk animal stuff. Mm -hmm. The whole I, I didn't like the the little plot synopsis I took from the internet. It's like all about Peter and Gamora, which is not what this movie's about. Not even close. It's about, in many ways, in all the ways, really, Rocket. Yeah. It's either about getting Rocket in the present tense or in flashback with his upbringing. Yeah. What did you like about that stuff, particularly flashbacks? What did you dislike about it? Ooh, you know, you have this kind of almost Nazi-esque type character wanting to create a perfect society. And perfect in the sense of, like, eugenics. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very off-putting. He was so creepy. I didn't, I didn't like that guy. But I did really like all of the dark animal experimentation stuff and liked it in a way that doesn't I didn't enjoy no, it. No, I know what you mean. I didn't enjoy it. Uh it really gave depth to Rocket's character. Like he was a super abused and experimented on animal, and it got really gritty and gnarly. Mm -hmm. Uh so I dug that they kind of dove into that and there was all these cobbled together little friends he had. I know. It oh, was very like Toy Story. And I was in the theater and I was totally like, is that the voice of what's her name? And I looked it up after the movie because mm -hmm. I wanted to confirm it was her and it was. Who? Oh God. I'll look it up in a minute. The okay. voice of the the <clears throat> seal with metal arms or otter with metal arms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Her was voice, the voice of No, I was looking I was like, I know that actress's voice. I think uh -huh. it's her I'm going to look it up after because I love her. She's great. Oh, you just recognize the voice, not from another character, but just the actress. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to just keep the sentence going until you figure out who it was because I think you'll find it in. And let me say this about otters, oh, by the way. Do you up. have it? You're terrible. I'm no, going to look it up in a minute. I know. That's what I'm filling time for. No, you don't need to fill time. Say something interesting. Well, I want to close that loop. Did the animal stuff work for you? Work for you? Kind of. Kind of? I don't think. I, I think on one hand, I got the gist Already, I understand that Rocket Raccoon was brutally tortured in experiment style to like make him a super critter. Mm. And like, there's there's like tasteful moments in the Guardians movies where like he pulls off his shirt and you see his back scars. Mm -hmm. To some extent, that's all I need. I think the movie doesn't work if you don't intersplice it with these flashbacks, like. Like, you still care about Rocket, but I think it, you know, like, you could have done that with any character. And I would have been almost equally, if not more, interested in seeing the backstories of other characters that hadn't already been suggested to me. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I have to know. Do you not? Do you not know yet? I'm finding it. Okay. Linda Cardellini. L- oh, it was Linda Cardellini. Yeah. I wouldn't. I didn't even a little bit pick up on that. Oh, really? All right. Uh, uh, she's great. Who is she? For people um, that don't I knew know. her mainly from Grandma's Boy. I knew her mainly from playing Velma in the live-action Scooby-Doo. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's not a very good movie, I found out. They also made the sequel, like, Mon- uh, Scooby-Doo Monsters, Monsters Island or something like that. Oh, and she was she was the wife in Green Book, one of your oh, all-time I favorite movies. love to hate that movie. Yeah. She's, um, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Okay. You know who didn't work for me in this movie? Uh, hang on. Um, no, who? Uh, this Adam... Warlock character. Oh, Eyebrows McGee. Played by Will Poulter. We got to remember the name Will Poulter because I think he does a good job in a lot of stuff these days, but he's like typecast. Not typecast. He's accurately identified by his eyebrows. Yeah. I thought he was great in this. I can't stand to look at him. That's rude. It is rude. And, okay, okay, well, tell me more. Be more specific to the movie. His face is off-putting, and he was painted so annoyingly gold. That's their thing, man. That's the yeah. that's the society of those people, which I thought was a nice tie-in because they are also a byproduct of our bad guy's um, you know, machinations where he's like, I'm going to create the perfect race. Sorry, his face and bothers I me. I love that he plays like this dumb character so well. And if I'm not mistaken, in comic book lore, Adam Warlock is like, like this super powerful mega being and there's this throwaway line said by his mother, like, you took him out too early. <laughs> he's just so <laughs> dumb. And I think, like, he's just, he plays this, like, very underdeveloped adolescent kind of pouty kid very well. And I think part of the brilliancy of casting him is that he's kind of annoying. And yeah. part of that is, yeah, the gold paint and, to some extent, his eyebrows. I think he might grow out of that. But for now, I say, dude, own it and just just get those roles. They were just so gold. I know. I didn't like that. Elizabeth Debicki plays the mom who's also usually a very good actor, but like the the characters that those people portray are not very deep characters. And I think the performances lean into that, which I think is is a nice move. But fair enough, yeah. If you don't like his face. Yeah. Uh it was just distracting, annoying. I wasn't into it. What did you think of um I'm gonna pull up the cast list here too? But our our friend who took over for our friend Merle from The Walking Dead. Who has the whistling spear thing? He had his own little little. I'm surprised you haven't talked about the dog, by the way. Oh, yet. the dog! God, I love the dog. Well, they they leaned so hard into cute furry animals. They super did. There's even that weird one that I know was your favorite one that came about probably three quarters of the way through. Yeah, whatever he, that thing was, he was great. There is one animal critter experiment being that is pretty horrifying. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? The bunny. No. The walrus? No, it's in there for like maybe two seconds. It's when Mantis is trying to get people off the oh, ship. Oh, yeah. And it's like a hairless pig, gopher, rat creature that mm-hmm. speaks. Yeah. Really upsetting that thing was. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you looking at? I'm just looking at the cast list. Okay, great. I'm used to you looking at your computer, so I feel like when you look at your phone, I'm like, I should wait for something because he's going to no, say something. No, it's uh, the the app interface for Letterboxd is just really super nice to use on the phone. Oh, I know. It's great. Yeah, Cosmo, the the Russian. Cosmo. And that was dog. actually voiced by Maria Bakalova. Who's that? She was in um, the newest uh, Borat, Borat subsequent oh, of movie course. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she was nominated for that movie. Yeah. But that whole plot, like that whole character of yeah. the Russian cosmonaut uh, golden retriever it, that is also yeah. telekinetic. It doesn't help the movie much. 
Aside yeah, from being a key player in the plot. Aside from being a key player in the plot, it doesn't help the movie. Which is to say they needed this plot. They needed they needed the ships to be able to be held together at the end. Yeah. And they, I think that maybe it's a real character, but they basically invented a whole friendship subplot between her and Sean Gunn, who plays Craglin, the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so did the, the blue guy die? Yeah, he died. And he, he gave oh that was okay so that was Guardians two okay he sacrificed his life to save Peter Quill okay um, which is when Peter Quill realized that despite the fact that Ego aka Kurt Russell was his real celestial father uh, you know uh, find out that guy's name would you other blue guy was like really his adopted father who had taken care of him his whole life he fixed all of his daddy issues in mm. that movie um, so yes other blue guy. Man, I yeah, I can't think of. Oh no, I, I bet you I could think of it. Um, use my massive telekinetic brain. Um, no, I don't have it. Sorry. Do you have Sorry, it? I'm working. On it. Uh, okay. I also think they threw away the potential. Michael Rooker. Yeah. What's the character? Like Yondu. Yondu. That's it. Karen Gillan as Nebula mm-hmm. and Star Lord have a moment where I think Gamora's like, I think the person you're describing, my sister, like that's the person you should be into. And he looks at her, he's like, I never noticed how dark your eyes are. Stop looking at me. And it's a throwaway line, but like that would have been such an interesting avenue to go down. And they don't. They just that never comes up again. Interesting how. It would be such a subversion of the traditional romantic kind of lead with the other romantic lead, like Nebula and or not Nebula, Gamora and Quill. Like, of course, that's what we've been Mm -hmm. hammered over the head with. But if all of a sudden they were like, no, no, no. He's actually into Nebula. Like Nebula, through her character progression, has become more like the Gamora he used to be in love with. And now that Gamora's gone, but Nebula's still here. Pursue Nebula. And she's kind of into him in a fun way in that scene. And then nothing. <laughs> That's what I mean by interesting. Yeah, I thought that they could have ran with that. And they just, it's fine if it doesn't work out, doesn't work out, but like at least why even put that in there then? Right. There's a it's a it's a busy, loud movie. There's a lot going on. It doesn't all need to be there, but it's still fun. Those are kind of my sort of bow tie thoughts on the very top. That's fair. Or gift wrapping. What do you call this? On the top a, of a gift. It's a bow tie. It's, a, it's, it's not a bow tie. No, it's, it's a, a, a bow. A ribbon? It's a bow. It's the bow. Yeah. I've tied the bow. On top of the gift. Correct. Do you have anything else on this film? Hmm. There was some excellent combat scenes. I really did like the, I forget what he called them, like the hell brood or something. It was this. Oh, right, right, The right. main bad guy had this. I like, forgot about all this. Yeah, yeah. They were really large, wild like amalgams of robot parts and animals that were yes. like think uh Bebop and Rocksteady. From, Is that from Power Rangers by chance? Uh Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. That makes sense too. Yeah, they were like morphed uh like a warthog and a, a snapping turtle. Yeah. Yeah, a, that's right. A wolf and a snapping turtle. I don't remember the wolf. I remember the snapping turtle though. One was a warthog, actually. Uh, that sounds more correct. Yep. Yeah, but they're like these failed experiments, like abominations of machines meeting flesh, like mm-hmm. One's like called like if it's not named Warhog, big mistake. Right. I'm sure it was. I think it was Hell Pig. <clears throat> it's pretty good too. <laughs> I actually looked it up because again, I was like, I know that voice. That's Pam Greer. Who's and sure enough, it was Pam Greer. I don't know that name either for some reason today. Man, that's all right. They're just a bunch of voice <clears throat> actors. But yeah, there's that whole scene where they kind of And it was called War Pig. And that's cool. That's Pam Greer. Oh, War Pig? Yeah. Not Warhog? Yeah. Oh, I know Pam Greer, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's that whole sequence where they release them. The two ships are kind of approaching each other. And, mm-hmm. um, and one had the octopus arms. I didn't like that. I like that. Well, yeah, I liked it too. But, in, you know, you're not, it's not supposed to be like, that's fun. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it was very was effective. Like, that's fun. Um, there's a great hallway fight sequence. Yep. There's a lot of slow-mo stuff. There's a lot of slow-mo in here. It was just so fun. It was pretty fun. Man, I had so much fun with this movie. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 what time did you see it? What day? Uh, 
I saw it at like two, no, like three o'clock in the afternoon. On a Monday? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time to see a movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Different. How many people were in the theater? 20? <clears throat> Maybe yeah. eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, different vibe. I timed it just right, too. All right. Well, Johnny Summers, you've been sitting here like a good boy for like an hour. Are you ready to try your first beer of the day? I was day? about to tell you how good I timed my movie. How good did you time it? Are you trying to segue so we can be good on time? Oh, no, not for time. I just wanted you to have a beer. Oh, I'm good. Okay, okay. what were you saying? So, no, I, I'll open this. But, yeah, I had it timed so good, I walked into the theater. Don't open it yet. Save it. But right. keep going. About your story. Right as the Marvel popped up on the screen. You missed the trailers? Yeah. Oh, you like doing that? Yeah. I've seen so many trailers, and I hate seeing trailers I for movies. I love the trailers. Sometimes I love them. Sometimes they put too – I'm on record. They put too much of the movie and too much important shit in the trailer. Here's my theory is that <laughs> – Good directors are wise enough not to spoil too much of the movie. Do you think and the director directs the trailer? I think the director has a say in it. Of course, it comes down to the studio, and uh, you know they have to make the final call. But ultimately, yeah, I think it comes to the director. Now, let me ask you again, sir. Are you ready for your first beer of the day? Sure. Okay, Johnny, beer number two is in front of us, or I guess for you, my dude, beer number one. Uh, and technically the can is in front of me. Do you want... No, you can't have it. I'm going to look at the can. Would you please tell me... <laughs> I don't need you at all. I'm going to answer all my own questions. All right. Remind our listeners what this beer is. Existential Bliss from Humble Forager. It's a barrel-aged stout that's 12.5%. From their website, we read, we employed a technique out of Forager Breweries stout brewing catalog and put together a massive American double stout base designed for extended barrel aging. After 19 months slumbering in oak, this blissful beast was blended from a selection of barrels sourced from Buffalo Trace, Bairdstown, Heaven Hill, Willet Rye, and Templeton Rye. We then took another forager process and continued on five growing regions of vanilla beans from Vanuatu India, Uganda, Madagascar, and Ecuador, layered with five growing regions of cacao nibs from Bolivia, Peru, the Ivory Coast, Tanzania, and Fiji. We are beyond excited for you to taste this beautiful liquid. Okay, before we go any further, Johnny, you said we employed a technique out of Forager's Brewery, which technically this can is a collaboration. It says uh, Forager Brewing and Humble Forager. Off of their website, uh, slash maybe a quick Google search, I can't totally remember. Yeah, that's ultra confusing. They have this to say. Humble Forager, which is what we've been drinking today, is a distribution brewery located just outside outside of Madison, Wisconsin, created by Forager Breweries, uh, which is in Rochester, Minnesota, their head brewer, Austin Jevney. They say their mission is to offer. They say a lot of cool stuff. But to some extent, this is a collaboration that is not a collaboration. I'm not super clear on it, and I'm just going to fess up and say that off the bat. That's super nebulous. So technically collaboration, maybe not. Either way, a ton going on in this beer. Um, Johnny, like you said, it is a quite, quite strong stout, 12.5%. We have it in our glasses. I said to you, it looks a lot like Barrel Age 1050, which I think at this point in our show is a pretty deep cut because I don't think we've covered that beer since maybe 2017. That's like year one. That was like- I might say 2016. It might be 20. Well, because we started the podcast in September. So yeah, either like late 2016, early 17, you had the opportunity to buy a whole case mm-hmm. of Barrel Age 1050, which now is from a brewery I can't seem to recall. Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues. Legendarily awesome beer. At the time, it, like nobody could get it. It was super cool. We drank a few of those. 
motor oil of a stout. And mm-hmm. this reminds me of that just by looking at it. It had like this very caramely toasty head that is now dissipated. The 16 ounce can, by the way, was super full to the point that as we opened it, the lip surrounding the top had filled with the beer. Johnny's taken a healthy gulp out of this clearly very syrupy looking stout. Johnny, initial reactions. Oh, wow. That's big. That's a lot. Heavy carbonation, more than I expected. At least we have a reason for it bubbling, not bubbling, but rising out of yeah. the can a little bit. But man, syrupy, dark, chewy, chewy. I'm just smelling it. Just chewy, dark chocolate. Not very sweet. With all that vanilla, I was anticipating something that was incredibly sweet. Boy, this is. That's. Oh, wow. That is tremendously thick and. That's, uh, wow. Yeah. I'm getting so much baking chocolate and so much barrel. This is hot. Somebody open this beer in overseas account. This thing is rich. Yeah, dude. And this, right? Seriously, this is- this Trying is, out some new phrases. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I thanks, liked it. It was thanks. good. This is so barrelly too, man. Good I am, there's Lord. A, there's a lot of whiskey. There's a lot of chocolate. There's a lot of thickness. There's a lot of things that make me very happy about this beer. We're sort of currently unclear on what we can and can't say about the pricing on the airwaves of KZFR. So allow me to say this is very expensive. Yes. Um, for a 16 ounce it's can. It's a 16 ounce can. It's the priciest beer we've done per ounce in probably ever. Yeah. Do you think ever? Maybe no. That can't be right. No. But but no. in a long time. Yeah. Because I've paid more than this for like a prairie beer that's only 12 ounces. Sure. So good example. It and that it's it's up there with like Anchorage pricing though for yeah. some of their premium or like a, like a Degar or not even a Degar like a um, no Degar's a good okay example. Anchorage is the perfect example. Let's is move it? on. All right. They have <laughs> bottles that are three seven fives that are eighty dollars. Do they really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not okay. We're so gonna buy one. That's too much. Of I'm gonna buy one with the company card. It's gonna be crazy. Um, point being, I was sort of. Well, A, coming back to my point about Humble Forager, I was very hyped on these beers. I mm-hmm. had a lot of faith. The first one was still okay. I was thinking after drinking the first one, maybe the second one would be kind of a letdown. But there's already so much going on in the one sip that I've had that as certainly as a business expense, that is very justifiable for the discussion we can have about all the layers that are going on in this beer. This is this is a huge beer in every sense of the word. And you know my favorite thing about it is it brings that richness, that thickness that heft mm. without being overly sweet that is so hard to it do is. not to be construed with it's not sweet no it absolutely is it's 100 percent sweet there is sweetness there it's but not 100 percent right. sweet. yeah <laughs> uh, but so many times when you get above 11 percent and you get barrel aged and you get stout and you get vanilla and chocolate it is it's falling in the pastry realm and this is Way more beer flavored beer, old school barrel aged stout with additions of of things that make it taste. Excuse me, suddenly burping. It makes it taste almost more like an old school stout than anything new school. For me, this is a very very old school barrel aged stout that employs some new brewing methods in order to get that thickness. And I, I just, I love that it doesn't go into the realm of being too sweet. This is a beer that is knocking my socks off, it's, and that does not happen. No, it's, and I think part of what the knocking of the socks can be attributed to is that sort of, and it's, it's not just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. It's, it's reminiscent of a time 
in stout beer making, which again, we've been doing the show for six and a half years ish. And there wasn't a ton of time before that where stouts like this were happening. Like I think, you know, maybe 15 years total and it came and went kind of quick, but there's, there's this, 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 um, what's the right word? We'll say like a spirit. There's a spirit of making stouts that don't always have to appeal to the most extreme sensibilities of the beer drinker, like like say a dessert stout, mm-hmm. but also can't be drank by just anybody. Right. <laughs> like you have to like this. I guess it's a very specific type of stout. This this beer will weed out the weak. It sure yeah. Which is to say, it's not for everybody. You're, maybe you won't like this, but you and I, Johnny, as we have proven on the show over the years, love this kind of beer. Mm-hmm. It's restrained while being while being robust, robust and, yeah. and loud and and uh, abrasive to some extent. I mean, it's it's so thick. I think you're right about the carbonation, by the it's way. It's thick and abrasive in the right ways, just but, like me. But it's, <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, the carbonation is dissipating as we've had the can open. Yep. I think in that first couple of drinks, it was it was very very lively, and even that has mellowed out. This, I mean, this has the legs of a port wine. Where our, our beers are this now, has the legs of Hershey syrup, dude. It's I mean, it's I'm trying to be actually literally here, like it's not Hershey syrup, but it is. I mean, it's incredibly viscous. There's 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 a thickness here that is certainly on par with something like a barrel aged ten fifty. Um, a this, Griffith, Jay Griffith. This eclipses that. An eclipse. Um. It's something else. This is a huge beer. This reminds me a lot of the really good stouts that Modern Times has made. This reminds me of a pre-Trump America. Is what it reminds <laughs> me of. This is, <laughs> this is better times. I don't know. But no, you're right. What did you say? Oh, I said this reminds me a lot of the um, like the Monsters Park um, yeah. Modern Times beers. Yeah. That's the where they did the maybe example. Just with chocolate or just with vanilla or just with coffee. A lot of those, like a devil's teeth situation too. Yeah, yeah. Any of those in that there was like a two year period where like modern time stouts could not be topped. I know, and they were balanced. They weren't too sweet. Yeah, they were punchy, barely. There was some great beer that came out of modern times in that period. You could chalk it up partially, if you want, what I'm about to say to to the fact that like we were kind of new as a podcast and we maybe didn't have a ton of grab distribution wise around town or. You could chalk up the fact that Modern Times in our early days was one of our most covered breweries to the fact that you're talking about, which mm-hmm. is that they were cranking out regionally nearly unbeatable stouts. Mm-hmm. And we had some great times with those drinks. Yes. They made some great stuff. And now, I mean, yeah, again, like the market kind of skewed one way or the other with be it sweetness or, or lighter stouts. But this is this is harkening back to a time of of world-class drinkability in in, in – a very specific type of imperial stout. Oh yeah, I mean it's incredible. You're going back for another. What are these glasses, by the way? F- five ounces? I honestly have no idea. I think our let's, our... let's fill them up twice and oh, see sure, if it yeah, makes yeah. sixteen ounces. Okay, great. Well, you're filling. Mine's not going to fill up twice. We yet. don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's the here's the question that uh, needs to be asked, but probably has no good answer. Is there anything you don't like about it? Hmm. It does have. Subtle notes of kind of like a almost savory. It doesn't get into soy sauce, yeah, but if you age yeah, this beer, it yeah. could. And if you go in thinking that, you might be able to find it. There's a salinity to it, uh, a subtle mm-hmm. salinity, but also um, because there's that kind of lack of sweetness, I almost get like a, a fresh, like a, eating a date 
Um, oh man, that's one of those divisive flavors that, yeah, I could see that too. It doesn't quite have the same sweet punch that like a date or plum or raisin has. Like I don't, I don't get that quite as much. Almost but, pruny. I should have well. said prune. Yeah. But I don't have that. Um, so I'm not, my mouth isn't quite getting that, but I think this is another beer like is so specific that mileage is going to vary for different drinkers. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to pick up, th- there's enough nuance to this beer that yeah. people will pick up different notes. And also that is the, the nittiest of picks. Good. That's yeah. worth saying. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to find a, a nit to pick as well. I'm going to take one more sip here. But man, and really if there try to dig in. one, don't fight it. Don't fight it if there's not one. Cause that was the only thing. And that legitimately came to my mind when I was drinking it. But other than that, the beer is, 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 uh, Lights out across the board. It's really good. I think the reason that I try so hard to find something wrong with a beer is that if I can't, that beer is a 10. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, to, for, for anything to be perfect, objectively or not, subjectively, even my opinion, like I need it to be perfect. I don't want to be handing that out. Mm-hmm. And this one's flirting. I'm going to have to take another drink now because nothing's jumping out, but I want to be sure. Yeah, you have to be sure when you, you get in. Sure. When you get into the giving out a double digit score, I mean that happens very rarely, but you have given this brewery a ten in the I'm past. I'm so jazzed about that for that pastry sour. Yes, that we I did. know, dude. That was what like Coastal the, Sunset episode two hundred five. Yeah, it was like a tropical explosion of just cherries and tangerines and whipped cream. Oh my god, it was good. Uh, it's this beer is really good. If you give them a ten, this is your favorite brewery now. Yeah, that's I just mean, that's a thing. That, you have to buy a shirt. It's a whole thing. I would, or they have to. Hey, humble forger, if you're listening right now. Um, yeah, come on. A, come, let me. I'm a large. You please. have integrity. You're not giving out tens for t-shirts. No, I'm not. I've like I almost never give out tens, and I I don't. I'm. Do you have any other thoughts on this beer? It's really, really good. Are you a ten? No, you're not. No, okay. this isn't perfect. Okay, but it's fantastic it's really good and it's not perfect for the nits that i did pick there are things about it that immediately stood out in my brain as i was drinking it as a negative as to why i don't insanely love it. are you including the carbonation somewhat but that was i think that has to be thrown out now like the same way you'd throw out certain characteristics Mm -hmm. of a wine that you haven't let air Mm -hmm. out yeah it's it's still bubbly but it's it's appropriate it's bubbly. the right amount no. of carbonation no the the flavor things that i mentioned are what's keeping it from perfection yeah. for me yep and i don't those flavors are not jumping out to me certainly not as offensive so i have i have my rating what's yours uh for me existential bliss is a is a 9.5 9.5 incredible rating in the book of johnny summers for me it's a 10 it's so good this is great it's the best beer i've had this year um I might have given out one more 10 in the past five months, but this is definitely the best Imperial Stout I've had. Best out, best out of the year. This is, this is the best Imperial Stout that I've, I've had, had in, here in 12 months. Yeah, sure. I might have had better personally. Um, Oof, I'd be hard pressed. Oh, no, I have. For my own fun, let's talk vibes. <laughs> okay, look at this can. No, we haven't described it. Look at that jet black wrap around. I love the, look the black Look how cool can. that is. Yeah. Um, it's a starry night on the shores of what looks to be, I'm going to say a. I'm gonna say a. I'm gonna say a either a lake or an inlet of the ocean. Do you think those are waves or snow? This looks like it's either water or like looking out into like a field. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. But no, those are clear. That looks clearly looks like a wave. So it must be like little cliff into the, not a cliff. This but like is a, like a an like inlet. A yeah, yeah, into a bay or a, a a lake. Yeah, 
their colors are so on point always. It's like, it makes you think it's a black and white cam, but it isn't. It's yeah. so clearly not when you look at the individual colors. There's like, there's like suns or uh, moonlight blues and like a little bit of orange after a sunset. It's really gorgeous. Yeah, it almost has a kind of a northern lights thing happening too. It totally. Is. There's like a there's like a little the aurora, a little uh, shy maybe pine tree kind of creeping up the side here, Bob yeah. Ross style a little bit. It's a happy little tree. Really good vibes. And when I poured it, it took me back to a happier time. It made me think of an amazing beer that surely it couldn't live up to. Back when beer was good, and it did. So vibes for me are five out of five. Yeah, where, where are you at on the vibes in this thing? I mean. There's no bad vibes. In There's, no bad, There's vibes no bad vibes at all. <laughs> because also it's 12.5%. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's a good vibe. That's a good vibe. That's a good vibe. <laughs> okay. Redrinkability on this thing. Um, I That is where it's tough for me because price point. Okay. Before we get to price point, can I make a case? And, and by case, I do mean case because we bought a case of barrel-aged 1050. We spent a ton of money on it. We could barely get it. There is a beer of this caliber down the road mm -hmm. here in Chico. That earns major points for me. It's 16 ounces in the can. Shamefully, I would drink all of it. Oh, yeah. I do think the price is slightly prohibitive. But it's so good. It's a splurge beer. Mm -hmm. I probably am going to buy two more of these. Yeah. One to drink now with friends and sure. one to save for maybe six months. We'll get three because we can do another one for um, one of our special events for the podcast. If I do that, the podcast card's mine, all three. I don't want to make two transactions. Well, sure. Do that then. No. Okay. <laughs> So uh, I, I would repurchase, but I have really f***ed up priorities, and I love spending money on beer. I don't have a ton of, of hobbies and things I spend money on. So it's like beer, records, video games, yep. and fishing equipment. And meat. And meat. Uh, so those are like the things that I spend money on. But they're far and few between. Few and far between. Few and far. Far and few. Far and few would be like, I, that's, that makes no sense. Neither either no, way. Few you... and far between is that they are they are very infrequent and they're far between them. Far and few between would be like, oh, it's way over there, but there's few things in between them. I think that's more accurate. It's not. Yeah. I've thought about this so many times because I've heard no, you say it on the podcast a lot. Far and few between. Yeah, it's man. few and far between. It's far and few between. <laughs> I'm gonna get us shirts made. They just say <laughs> far and few between. Fresh off cinema. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and you can buy those shirts on our website. It makes sense to me, and that's all that matters. No one's listening. Anyways, my 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 list of of money sucking hobbies is short. I can literally count it on one hand. And sure. um, good beer, great beer, outstanding beer, outstanding world class beer. beer uh, when it comes across this desk and when it's available in my town, uh, I have no choice. I'm going to go buy at least yeah. two of these, and I am going to tell our circle of friends mm -hmm. um, that are huge beer enthusiasts to yeah. get on this. So redrinkability for you out of five? Ten. Five it is. <laughs> for me, again, and I'm only pointing this out, not that we're combining scores because that's insane and you can't do that. It makes no sense. But if you were to do that for me today, it would be 20 out of 20, which I don't think is ever going to happen again, which is pretty pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. To recap, both of our beers this week come from Humble Forager Brewing, mostly and are currently available at SNS Produce here in Chico and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is showing in wide release. If you have feedback on anything we've discussed today, you can call or text us at 530-433-0839 or send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. Again, that phone number is 530 
433-0839. Next week on the show, content is a mystery. So keep up with us on our socials to find out more. As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered, or you want to go digging through six plus years worth of absolutely fantastic episodes mm. dating back to 2016, head over to your favorite podcast app and get some more of us at Fresh Hop Cinema. We'll be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday at 4 p.m. So until then, consume some films and beers that make your senses sizzle and enjoy the rest of your weekend. To those of you currently deep cleaning your kitchen, sweating on a treadmill, or landscaping your yard and listening in podcast form, we'll be right back with Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. Welcome to 12.5% Hot and Bothered. We're here. By the way, I think we should say that. In the outro, there'd be like, or if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes a twelve and a half percent beer, hot and bothered, and bothered which, which probably is more spicy than like a, a, a lager, hot and bothered. Fuck yeah. I think it's a good way to like, let's take, your, this, let's, let's take this beer down. No, no, no. I'm enjoying it. No. Do we have any more? Let's take it. Let's take it ah, down. It's so nice to sip on. Let's take it down. All right. Cheers, man. Cheers. Uh, you drink first, then I will, because I'm going to keep filling air time. But what a, what a solid stout this was today. I'm, oh, I'm so surprised so by this. Um, can you uh, not not do that for one? <laughs> yes. Um, can you think of the last time, show or not, that you've had a really really terrific stout? Yeah, it was what four weekends ago, maybe at Philip James' house. It was oh, Easter, sure. Easter weekend. Uh, he was just kind of clearing out some. No, we had beers. a bottle share. Oh, sweet! What was the beer? Do you remember? There were so many. They were yeah. on my Instagram highlights, our Instagram highlights. I was uh, posting okay. them on the podcast Instagram story. I don't recall that, but okay. It was a beer called Ben Thick. B-E-E. B-E-N-T-H-I-C. Oh. Okay. And it was a I wanna say like chocolate vanilla variant, something like that. Better than this. Oh, for real. Better than this. What was the beer that we had at your house? Um, for what was the event? Maybe it was, it was, it was certainly a pod. It was a, was it Stoutgasm? that feels too long ago, unless mm. it was the third one. We'll describe the beer. It was the modern times banana beer. It was like a banana stout. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was terrific. Shalina is like one of our all time. Right. Beers. I remember. Yeah. It was like, cause yeah. you had an extra one. I was like, Oh, should we open? You're like, no, like we gotta save it for Shalina. She's going to, you know, that's hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also pulling up just here on our uh, on our beer compendium because I'm pretty curious, kind of like what our general thoughts on stouts are over the years. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we've done everything from like golden stouts to milk stouts to oatmeal stouts to coffee stouts and um, dessert stouts in general. But you know, like this, this has to be one of the higher ranked ones that we've done. Um, we did a we did a beer called Coconut Donut from Bear Bottle back on episode 155, which I have like the vaguest recollection of. Hmm. Um, but I gave it a nine. You gave it an 8.9. Um, there was an East Brother beer, which was just an oatmeal stout, like their basic oatmeal stout. It was 5.4%. Uh, mm-hmm. Nine for me, 8.8 for you. Good ratings, but- That but was another one of those like just solid old like school- good stout. Just a stout flavored stout. Totally, man. No frills, no bullshit. Um, other than that, there's not a ton that we have in here right now. And, and we're missing a few episodes. Like we're missing- um, a beer that our friend Jeremy Vesley gave us one time from Vespers Nine, or called Vespers Nine from Moonraker. Um, there was a terrible one from Elysian called um, Split Stout, but we did it because we were covering the movie Split. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of modern times we haven't logged yet because we have to go back and find our ratings. 
but this has to be like in the top five that we've ever done on the show. Easily. I would say so. Yeah. I, I mean, don't recall doing stouts. five better stouts, but I mean, I might've brought five good beers to the show and who knows? Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Well, I know we've done like Griffith J. Griffith on the show. Yeah. And that beer holds up with this in my opinion. I wonder where that, well, it's not on here yet. But yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Like that was a great one. My membership restarted. Nice. So I'll be I'll Oakland. Be, I'll be uh, what's that? Oakland, Highland Park, Los Angeles. Don't they have a tap room in Oakland? No. What am I thinking of? Modern times. Mm. That's where I picked up member bottles before. It's 100 percent right. what you're thinking. All right, to do that at High Wire, I guess. Yeah. Great Just coffee. <laughs> um, okay. Welcome to Hot and Bother. I guess is the point of all that. Hi, everybody. Uh, we're talking about our weeks, and and sometimes it starts where we just keep talking about beer. That's fine, man. It's yeah. a your show, I guess. Yeah, I'm stoked to be bringing some of the uh, yeah. park bottles around. Can we make uh, friends with those people? I'd be sharing. Uh, I don't know. We should try that. It's kind of far. Like, I don't... I mean, email like travels so quick. Yeah, but it's like not like we're going to pop by there. No, that's true. Yeah, I don't know what... I mean, yeah, like, I'd like to be... I mean, I email them all the time because I'm a member, so... Do they respond? Yeah. Like, be just kidding. No, their customer service is great. So, like, maybe we just mentioned, like, hey, we're, you know, we have this thing. And we'd love to cover one of these bottles. Could could we, you know, could we, could our podcast pay for an extra bottle, even though we're not a member? And then they might just be like, mm, we'll just send you one. Yeah. Or uh, I'll just buy an extra. Dust Bowl style. Or I'll buy an extra and tell them it's for a podcast. And That's fine. I was just trying to save us a little money. But oh. yeah. Slash feel like ballers getting So you want to be friends to get free shit. Oh, yeah. Doesn't everybody? No. Oh. Well, I'll go to therapy for that. That's okay. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. Johnny, what's got you hot or bothered this week? Dude, I watched... Two TV series seasons in their entirety. Okay, in the last week. Okay, uh, as the resident TV guy of the podcast, yeah, it's, it's my job to to stay up as much as possible. I just remembered I have some TV to talk about. That's excellent. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it falls on my shoulders, heavy as the head that wears the crown. But mm -hmm. I must talk about television. I watched the entire series Beef. A24 yeah. produced, Netflix distributed. Well, A24 distributed to Netflix. It's complicated, Correct. guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Exclusive to Netflix yes. by way of a deal with, with A24. A24. Yeah. Uh, beef. And I also watched the entire season three of Mandalorian. I waited until they all came out so mm -hmm. I could binge watch it because I hate episode like appointment-based television. Is that to then assume that you have not started Ted Lasso for that reason? Correct. Great. Perfect. Keep going. Yep. So that's it. So what you want to hear about? Um, I guess beef. Because I think you mentioned that you'd already started it. Yeah, I had. And, and we finally knocked it out. Beef is a dark, dark comedy type drama starring Ali Wong, Stephen Yoon, David Cho, among others. But those are kind of the three main characters. Did you know that the show creator, Lee Sung Jin, says that this is based on an actual road rage incident? Amazing. True story. Fun fact. I'll also give you one fact that is less fun, but it's what came up on Google, uh, which is, is it worth watching beef? And I meant to ask you this before you started clearly saying that it is. People say beef was actually a pretty good show, but I think you have a better response. <laughs> I'm going to agree with people. Great. Guys, it's a pretty good show. <laughs> this reviewer gives you a generic two thumbs up. Two thumbs up yeah. for beef. <laughs> no, I. it was darkly funny. Yeah. It was essentially... Um, an episodical escalation of a road rage. Sure. Uh, and the whole show, you're thinking, well, how far are they going to take Yeah, this? that's what like, you said. How far is this going to go? And there was a 
some beautiful scenes in the the finale. How so? Um, catharsis, um, hallucinogenic inspired um, bonding, mm-hmm. and yeah, the season finale really just wrapped this show up for me in a really cool way. Also left it open for season two. What do you mean in a cool way? In a cool way. I'm starting to take issue with the word cool. Uh, well, it was just satisfying. It was, it stayed with the tone. I mean, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about tone and its importance mm-hmm. in, in, in cinema in order to maintain continuity and, yeah. and just be a good film. I would argue, or not argue, but I would posit that tone is very important in episodical television and probably harder to attain exactly especially for shows that are appointment based totally meaning we get one every week easier in something that's meant to be released all at once though i would make the case and this is speculation but i bet you that beef was filmed in its entirety and then edited together whereas something like a running show like like a sitcom like yeah like seinfeld by episode tone throughout that kind of stuff is probably even tougher yeah but yeah, I take your point. Absolutely. But the tone in beef was was constant uh, and it was reliable and it was something I found quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was outlandish, entertaining, so funny. Okay. I mean, Ali Wong is a career stand-up comedian. I don't know if this is her first soiree with acting. Right. Uh, but I know it's probably the most notable thing that she's done thus far. Can I ask you another question that the internet seems to want to ask that I'm almost positive you have a better answer? Sure. All right, here's the question and the answer. Why is beef so satisfying? And the answer is beef tastes good. It's as simple as that. Um, I would say that this show is satisfying because it answers the questions that we're kind of afraid to ask ourselves. Whoa. Can I read you the internet answer one more time? Sure. Beef tastes good. It's as simple as that. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you just, you really took it. I was trying to make a joke, but yeah, you took it. You're like, that's a good answer. Is that for real? What your answer was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it asks you, it asks the question, what would happen if you got into this minor little road rage thing and you just didn't let it go? And guess what? They are not going to let it go either. Love that. Is there going to be a season two of this? A hundred percent. With the same characters? A hundred percent. Interesting. Yeah. So they basically became like arch enemies. Okay. That maybe became friends. Right. So okay. it's, 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 an, it, I'm not going to say more because I want you to watch it, but there's, yeah. there's these, these arcs that both uh, Ali Wong's character and Steven Yoon's character go on. They are so deep. Like it gets so deep into issues of like mental health. Yeah. Uh, being an immigrant, being Asian American, existing in a world of capitalism and mm-hmm. trying to survive owning a small business. And uh, oh man. It was just so good. I I ate beef up with a spoon. Not the greatest food analogy I've ever heard, but okay, know. fair enough. I don't know, you uncultured swine. Have you I never know. had tartare? Do you know what beef came from? The word beef? Like It's a French word. B-O-E-U-F, boof. Boof. Which boof. sounds like something you could eat with a spoon. Boof. So maybe you're right. Boof, maybe? Who boof knows? means putting stuff up your butt. No. Yep. Nope, we're moving on. It does. Okay, you also watched The Mandalorian season I three. I did. Now, if I remember right, you loved season one. Yep. You thought season two got a little slow, a little bit too political, yep. a little boring. Yep. And I don't mean political in like the American politics sense. I mean political in the day-to-day stuff in the show. Yes. What happened with season three? Season three, way better. Return to form from season one. Everything you wanted. There was one slow episode. Episode three, I'm looking at you. You fucking sucked. 
The rest of the episodes, super solid. It took me three times trying to watch episode three to watch it through without oh. falling asleep. There's a lot of variables that go into that, I think. Yeah. Like what time of night are you I watching? Or how many earlier. drinks have you had? I was it after it. work? Was it on a Saturday? Nope. All all after work. Started it earlier. Started it sober. You fell asleep? Yeah. You're tired, man. You're working too hard. No, we put something like ep- the next episode came on. I was like, like I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm back. There was all just right. something about episode three that just didn't do it for me. Sure. Okay. But no, overall, so good. So much more of what you wanted. And also new lore, new goals, mm-hmm. new things, new characters. It was just so good. So your brain's like fully in Star Wars because you've done that and you've done, been playing the new Jedi game. Yep. Like you're just you're just living in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Love that for Long you. time ago, man. Remind me who it, plays the actor in The Mandalorian. Daddy. Who's that? Pedro Pascal. Speaking of Pedro Pascal. That's daddy. I finished The Last of Us finally. Nice. And that was maybe, a yeah, about a week ago. Okay. Uh, ten, eight episodes in that. Um, I found, and we can talk about it more. If we, mm-hmm. we actually want to do a recap, we can. Very good show. I found the season finale... Um, unsatisfying not underwhelming but i don't want to wait for a whole nother season because there's a lot of issues that haven't been resolved slash new ones that were created in the last episode Mm -hmm. Um, i wanted to say that okay i also wanted to say and i I was just using pedro pascal as a as a segue here are you finished talking about your stuff the both those shows were so good great yep ted lasso season three is out i've heard bad things no you've heard wrong okay that's great i haven't finished it um i think there's about Seven episodes out um, of maybe 10 that are going to be coming out. Okay. I've watched five or six. Episode one, not great. Episode two, amazing. Episode three, amazing. It just keeps going. It's it's clearly aware of its heritage, meaning seasons one and two, which have a very specific tone. I think, and this is exactly the kind of situation we're talking about, carrying tone over, not from episode to episode, in a thing that's filmed all at once, but season to season. Very difficult to replicate the same kind of success that is created certainly by something like Ted Lasso, which has this like really frenetic positivity. And it's really hard to capture that in a way that feels genuine. And sustaining that And sustaining it. Jason Sudeikis does a good job. Yeah. But the showrunners in episode one almost lose the thread, particularly with the performance of Ted Lasso's kid. Did you say in episode one? In episode one of season three. Okay. They almost lose it. It feels said season one. I'm I like, know. I'm sorry. I meant episode. I'm like, no, sir. Season three, episode one. Um, it feels like it's really trying to springboard itself off of the charm of the previous seasons. Okay. And it almost lost me. And I love that show. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, no, no. It's better than this. I remember so I when watched, that show came out. Man. It was a time just after the pandemic, kind of. No, it was mid-pandemic. It was like, yeah, like mid. Depending on how you look at the pandemic, it was during the pandemic yeah. or not. Great. Little burst of serotonin for yeah. everybody. Um, so I think, at least so far, and probably for the whole time, highly endorsing okay. TLS3. I want to hear a review at the end of it, like once you've watched it sure. all. I'm You're going to watch it no matter what. Yeah, I'm going to watch like, it. I'm just waiting for it to all be done. So we, you and me, you watch it. I'll tell you, of course, but then yeah. we'll, we'll do a recap of Ted Lasso. Perfect. The Last of Us, House of the Dragon. I think it's uh, true romance. Sorry, you're saying we have another rapid fire. Whoa, another speed round another for our Patreon round. listeners. That's oh, that'd be fun. Do a TV speed round or uh, and anything. It's pop culture, man. It's, it's that's it's true. A, it's yeah. a, it's a speed round of entertainment. You know, it'd be kind of fun. 
would be like drugs. If sure, if there's an album that you're digging, you could show it to me. Vice versa, we speed around those albums. We do like an album or two, a TV show and a movie, and that's our speed round. Dude, that'd be fun. That would be so fun. Sunrise at Slaughter Beach, the newest Clutch album. It sounds like a thing I'd hate. Love it. I think you would actually like it. Okay, they're very bluesy. It's it's not really like heavy metal. Sing the lowest note on a guitar. What's that? Sing the lowest note a guitar plays. Oh, I think they play in standard, but Sing it. E? Sing that E. I don't know how to sing an E. Uh, uh, Sorry, that's an E flat. It was a little bit higher. You're I was close, e though. Flat. Okay. Either way, we're brainstorming, which I love. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, What else you got? Only had two things written in there. I know. I just figured maybe you had something else that I have. Oh, of like a beef. Sure. Let's do Sunrise on Slaughter Beach, Beef, and... Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. I don't know. We already have so much shit that we haven't talked about. We don't need and to make up. And we never will. Yeah. <laughs> you might have graduated with a master's, but we're never going to review True Romance. I really... So, like, I can I just tip this hand a little bit? I didn't love True Romance, but I watched it, and now I feel like I deserve to talk about it because I watched it. Yeah. And I don't like saying that because Brittany... I don't think Brittany listens regularly, but she loves that movie. Mm -hmm. And I think you love that movie to some extent. Yeah. You're like, it's a, you told it's me a it's classic. like a classic. I love Gary Oldman in it. Is he in that? Yeah. Gary Oldman? He's the, sorry, I was thinking Gary Busey for some reason. I know oh. Gary Oldman's in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, like I, so I, I watched it and it's so weird. Is it Christian Slater? Yeah. It's such a weird movie. Yeah. And like I had to watch it. So now I want to talk about it. Yeah. It's like a fever dream. It's like fucking Blue Velvet or something. Oh, love that movie. Where Dennis Hopper's like, baby, you want to fuck? Yeah. God. <laughs> what like boy, they don't make movies like they, they used to, huh? Surely don't slash can't. Yep. Maybe it's for the best. Who knows? I don't know. We've got some R-rated comedies coming out that look pretty I was afraid is a great example. Like they're gonna push the envelope. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the blackening. Mm. I'm talking about the one where yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the five Asian women get stuck in China and I with drugs up their don't butt. I don't know what that is. Oh my god. Like super R-rated like hilarious like of like the mid 2000s i was gonna like, say level. it sounds very like 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 judd apatow comedy yeah well they're also making a sequel to dodgeball that's a mistake they shouldn't do that it's gonna go poorly who's in it do you know we'll see same cast that's so stupid yeah, we'll see it's gonna be ruined you have to watch a trailer for the blackening i've seen a trailer for the blackening. it looks so good it does look so good yeah it's like a satire like a of like Black people being murdered by like a serial killer. Yeah, literally in the in the trailer. It looks so like, funny. They can't kill us all first. Yeah, so good. I love that idea. And it comes out three days before Juneteenth. That's a little on the nose, but okay. I'm gonna go see it. I'll see you on that day off. Let's, we'll probably cover it on the show. Of a federal holiday. That's a federal holiday. Yeah, it's probably well deserved, to be honest. Yeah, Did, right. don't don't say that like you're <laughs> fucking surprised. No, I'm not. I'm not. I am. Well, it's our government. sir. Come on, you have narrowly avoided being racist once today. Thank you for saying that. Let's narrowly avoid it twice. As always, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and every single person who either stays the same at their pledge level or increases it on Ken, Patreon. We up? sure appreciate your support. Looking forward to hanging out with you on May 25th or 26th. Fifth. Yeah. Thursday, May 25th. That's what you a, said. I, I know. I just wasn't sure. At a place and at a time, which you can double check on Patreon or our Facebook group. Um, unrelated, check out the handlebar. We got a happy hour, seven days a week. My name is Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here. Be sure to watch some entertaining stuff. Drink some beers that make you happy. Most importantly, be good to each other. It doesn't mm. cost you a damn thing. Wait, I'm so sorry with the beers. We're off the radio. 
this this existential bliss. This Fifteen fucking dollars. Sixteen dollars. Sixteen fucking dollars. Buy that beer. It's worth it. It's so good. It really is worth it. Get that beer. It's at SNS. There's probably not too many. You got to get it. Put it in you. It's real, and we're gonna buy like three more. So go get that beer at SNS. Like podcast listeners, go do it. It's now a race. It yeah. We're gonna get some like tomorrow. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just felt like that was important knowledge. That's it, man. I'm done. We out. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.